Sam Shepard came from a long line of doctors in Cleveland, Ohio. Born December 29, 1923, he attended Cleveland Heights High School and was an excellent student and athlete. He was class president for three years and met his future wife, Marilyn, in high school. He finished college and his medical education before completing a residency in neurosurgery at L.A. County General Hospital. He and Marilyn, now married, returned to Ohio and he joined his father's practice at Bayview Hospital. Life couldn't have been better. A lakefront home in Bay Village, a young son, a picture-perfect family. Until Sunday morning, July 4th, 1954, when Marilyn's badly beaten body was discovered in her bed. The police and coroner immediately suspected the husband, in spite of his injuries fighting the attacker. An affair, a hostile coroner, and a media-driven narrative inspired the TV series The Fugitive in a movie by the same name. But did Sam Shepard kill his wife? This is a case of Marilyn and Sam Shepard, and this is Outline of a Murder. mother is now the child that has to have her microphone adjusted properly. When I think, oh. Well, when you act like a child, that's what happens. Oh, I see. So that's why people tell me how to drive and walk, walk, food I eat, mm-hmm. how to do my microphone. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So this is Outline of a Murder, the Smart True Crime podcast. Mm-hmm. And we are in our mid-season mini-series. You didn't introduce yourself. I know. I've not introduced myself at all. I mean, at this point, people should know who we are. Well, I'm Mom. (laughs) I'm Sherry. (laughs) And uh, we usually have our third sidekick. I did talk about that at the very first with our Black Dahlia. But we like to do, you know, during the seasons, cases that are... um, Basically, you break them down. That's why it's called Outline of a Murder. Right. And you get the key points to hopefully help people not be victims. And the mid- That's always been our purpose from yes. the beginning. Yes. See signs. But we also like discussing true crime. So we decided that mid-seasons, we would, uh, or in between the seasons, we would do cases like the first year was Family Annihilators. Very interesting and difficult. Mm-hmm. It was. That was hard. And then this year we're doing historic cases. So here we From are. From the 40s. Yeah, well. To the 60s. 40s, 60s, 1590 right. will be the 15, last one. 1590s going to be interesting. And all the music that, especially on the Jack the Ripper, H.H. H. Holmes, uh, Elizabeth of Batory, that's actually, I used period true music as well and edited those myself. That's going to be nice. Sherry's usually the brains behind this. I just talk. We have had requests, though, to do more. We really have. But Sherry lives in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. I live in Texas, and it's sort of hard to do. Well, and we could even do them online. I don't know how the sound quality would be, but the main thing is it is time. a lot of work yeah, to write time. Uh, scripts out. She have... produces. She writes it. Mm-hmm. She investigates. And investigating 
is hard. Mm -hmm. It's very time-consuming. And she works a couple jobs. Well, I have the one job. I have businesses. But you do other things, businesses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Kudos to my daughter. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. But the other thing we're doing, this mini-series, which has turned into a major series, because normally it's only like five episodes. We're going to have like ten, is we're having period true drinks. Mm -hmm. We used to, the last one was wine. Yes. So we would have different you wine. taste mm-hmm. the wine, which you tend to be wimpy when it comes to drinks. I like sweet wine. And so we realized that all last year it was Stella Rosa. That right. was a little ridiculous. Right. But so it was good. It was good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But this time, period true. So our case takes place in 1954. Mm-hmm. And during that year, the Pina Colada was the drink to have. So we have some. I didn't even know the pina colada was invented then in the 50s. And I'm going to taste. I've never had one of these. Nope. Okay, here we go. Um, What's going on here? She got them and didn't um, unfreeze her ice a little bit. But since you can't taste yours through the straw, it's really quite good. It's good, but man, you can taste that rum. Wow. It's so good. Well, because yours isn't straw stirred properly. <laughs> Try this one. Just use, use my straw. I don't I mind. I don't want to spread cooties. I know. I don't really like that. No, I'm still having an issue. Is, your, is it open at that end? Don't use the straw. Just drink the... You know... Okay. Mine's good. This it's pineapple. Good. I can taste the pineapple. I love pina coladas, though. It's good. It is good. The rum's a little bit stout, but I mean, I like the Manhattan that was really stout. No, so. that was horrible. That was yummy. Oh, you but know what? Also, that's that's very good. A little fun part if you want to say your favorite drinks during mm-hmm. the podcast. Yeah. Or not during, but on our website, Outline of a Murder, because we might try it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We have a fund. And I'm interested if anyone's ever had a Black Dahlia, because we found out there's a yes. drink. Yes. And we I, we should have we you know, should gotten the recipe, up. but uh, yeah, we have a drink fun. It is doesn't have to be anything with alcohol. Actually, teas, right? You know, oh, yeah. coffee, anything like that. I just I wasn't kind of thinking about the drinks that much because you know, were doing these in the morning, right? But so. the first one was ten thirty. It's ten thirty, as they say somewhere. <laughs> right. Is there a way you could add the Black Dahlia drink to that podcast? Probably. Okay. Probably well, could. We'll have to look it up. Okay, now, the Sam Shepard case. I have always wanted to do this case, ever since the movie and the TV series, The mm-hmm. Fugitive. Now, I never watched the Fugitive TV series, because I don't even know if I was born. Was I born? You, well, yeah. I was? Yeah, you were born. Okay. I'm thinking, but it is loosely based on that, but right. that is where they, the brainstorm of the movie started. Yeah. The movie was really good. Who was the actor? I can't remember. He played Harrison. Star Wars. Yeah, Harrison Ford. Yeah, Harrison Ford. But in the original series was... I should have known this before. Well, I don't think it matters, but there was an original series. Yeah, the TV series. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, all the, that and the movie was about a husband that was falsely accused of killing his wife. This case is a little bit difficult for me as far as was the suspect innocent or not because he in the crimes actually remind me of the family annihilator we did jeffrey mcdonald right so i'm having a rough time knowing if you know that's like am i just projecting jeffrey mcdonald 
onto this case. They're very similar, just so you know. And uh, But there were some significant things that occurred in 1954. Um, first of all, we had um, segregation was declared unconstitutional in the Supreme Court. Ellis Island in New York closed as a point of immigration. Um, we also had the words under God. They were added to the United mm-hmm. States Pledge of Allegiance. And the cost of living was interesting. So yearly inflation was 0.32%, which was not bad at all mm-hmm. um, in the U.S. The average cost of a new house was $10,250. People made about $4,100 a month. In 54? Mm-hmm. And the the average house in forty uh, for, what was it forty seven or forty six was eleven thousand. Mm-hmm. And by the way, just FYI, if anyone wants to know, the original fugitive was David Jansen. Okay, played. You Mo- probably don't know who that is. Nope. Movie tickets were um, seventy cents, and gas was uh, twenty one cents. But a real significant event that happened is Senator. Joseph McCarthy, remember him? The McCarthyism right. and all yes, that, yes. and the witch hunt of communists are calling it. Uh, well, I wasn't was, born then, but I do remember. That was brought yeah. to an end. He was censured, and they um, stopped all of his um, attacks against people he thought were communists, which actually they did have a lot of that going a on. Lot of, and a lot of actors. <laughs> yeah. Lucille Ball, yeah. um, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And yeah. that's why Ronald Reagan was such a big, you know, advocate for not allowing that to spread because he was in Hollywood and he knew how widespread right. it was. Okay. The crime. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things you're going to have to follow here because it's it's very interesting. And well, you're good at helping us follow because you mentioned the names and, turns, and the Kate. Twins. All right. right. So the crime takes place in the home of Dr. Samuel Holmes Shepard. He was a neurosurgeon. I didn't know he was a neurosurgeon mm-hmm. at the Bayview Hospital in Cleveland, Ohio. Mm-hmm. He was born in Cleveland, December 29th, 1923. He attended Cleveland Heights High School. He was an excellent student and athlete. He was active in football, basketball, and track. He was class president for three years. He met his future wife, Marilyn Reese, in high school. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh-huh. probably like high school sweethearts, maybe? Right. Several small Ohio colleges offered him athletic scholarships, but he decided to pursue a career in medicine like his older brothers and father. So I guess he had a whole line of I doctors. I knew the father was, but I didn't know his brother. Mm-hmm. I, actually, I probably forgot he even had a brother. He enrolled in Hanover College in Indiana to get his pre-med courses complete, as well as taking some supplemental courses at Case Western Reserve University. Then he finished his medical education at the L.A. Osteopathy School of Physicians and Surgeons. He finished his internship and a residency in neurosurgery at L.A. County General Hospital. He and Marilyn married February 21st, 1945 in Hollywood. So here's a picture of them. Look how young and innocent they look. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's funny, the clothing, like she's wearing, it looks like a very simple white dress, but the white socks socks, with the black shoes, yeah, I thought that was interesting. So basically what you would, you know, picture the 50s looking like, that's exactly what they look like. Look at his stance, Mm -hmm. confident, Mm -hmm. yeah. This is another picture of her, Mm -hmm. and the hair, how they used to wear it back in the day. Mm Mm-hmm. So they get married, and they moved into a lakefront home in Bay Village, which is a nice part of Cleveland. I mean, it's Bay Village, like right on the bay. 
and it's an idyllic place to raise a family. Uh, there were neighbors with people like the mayor and his wife. I mean, so, you know, it's a nice upscale neighborhood. And uh, the house has since been demolished, so you can't find it. But it was on Lake Road, about 100 feet from the Lake Erie shore. Was it taken down because of the murders or because of... I don't know. And I thought I had a picture of it. I might have it later on in the... Like the Manson killings. They, they tore the house down, sold it, and tore the house down. Do you have a problem, sweetheart, over there? I don't know if my, my daughter cup is seems to pina colada. Well, no, you did spill some is that, here. Is that the ice? No, that's melting that. Yeah, from the glass. Or no, is it, you spilled it with your straw when you jerked the straw out of the glass. No, I'm getting covered in so, pina colada. <laughs> we've had uh, we're, this and that is sound our, is we've me had sucking it up through a straw. A few uh, podcasts today, and each podcast we've had a drink. I only had so, sips of the last one. The I'm French just saying 75 that might is not be my why, favorite. Um, no, that's there's not why. I feel like there's a all over the table. You're distracting me from my true crime. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, dear. <laughs> all right. Uh, it was a spacious mm-hmm. and a stylish home. They had one child, a son that they called mm-hmm. Chip, which mm-hmm. to me is a typical 50s name, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were the typical, typical all American family living the dream. Until Sunday morning, July 4th, 1954, at 5.40 a.m., a distraught Sam Shepard phoned his neighbor, which is the mayor, right, Spencer Houck, and said, for God's sake, Spin, get over here quick. I think they've killed Marilyn. And at this point, how long had they been married? I don't know. Let's see. That was 54. They were married. And they got married in 45, so about nine years. Okay. But I thought that was interesting. They have killed Marilyn. Mm-hmm. And why didn't he call the police? So Spencer and his well, wife... you don't really know, we've seen, how you're going to react. I guess. Because... I mean, was 911 not a deal back then, maybe, too? Like, when did 911... Oh, yeah, they didn't have 911 there. They, you just had to call the police. But, I mean, when somebody hit me in my car, first thought was call insurance. I didn't think about calling... You know what I mean? I know that's a no. minor thing. But sometimes your mind... I don't know. Your mind, you just don't know. So when police say, well, he didn't act properly or he didn't well, this, yes. I'm like, well, how, there's no blueprint on how you're supposed to act or what right. you do or what you say. So if they didn't have 911 back at that time, then he's going to call zero. the person that's closest yeah. to him to help him. To help. Yeah. Which to the help mayor him. would be someone you'd probably call, right? Right. right. Um, so Spencer and his wife, Esther, raced to the house. They found a drenched and shirtless Dr. Shepard pacing and moaning in his study. Mm-hmm. The house had been ransacked and Shepard was injured or dazed. At some point, I'm not sure when, the police arrived. Not Ups- to mention shock. Right. Upstairs, Marilyn was discovered uh, beaten to death. Her face was a bloody pulp covered in lacerations. Her pajama top was pulled over her breasts exposing her and then her bottoms had been pulled down Mm -hmm. and i believe off of one leg exposing her pubic area and then her body itself you can see it was dragged from the bed down see Mm -hmm. that where her feet are hanging off the edge of the bed under the post which would tell me sexual Crime. I think it definitely is sexually motivated, mm-hmm. especially with her, her top exposed, her mm-hmm. pubic area exposed. 
Um, you can see her panties are down over on one side, right. um, but you can't even see where her face is. No, like, look at that. No. It looks like just... That's a bad beating, for yeah, sure. You can't. It's not recognizable no. as a human no. other than the rest of her, her body. Uh, so it's pretty brutal. And um, she was unrecognizable. And some reports say she was raped. Um, well, I find that interesting because if you look at that picture, which you can, uh, on the bed, the end of the bed, there's a railing, two pieces of wood across. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, one at the top to hold the wood together and one in the middle. Mm-hmm. And she was pulled down. I think that'd be sort of hard mm-hmm. to, to rape somebody, right? Right, but she may have put up too much of a struggle and the killer just gave up. I don't know. But this is, um, these are her hands Mm post-autopsy. Wow. And then. Well, she tried to defend herself, uh, defend herself, didn't she? This is the pillow. And so you can see definitely bloodstained marks, et cetera. Right. And then this is her. um, Where her head was. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood. There's her pajama bottoms that were pulled down. And look at the blood. And then these were Sam's trousers that he was wearing. And then the green bag, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the contents in the green bag, the watch, you know, ring, etc. And a close-up of the watch. And then her watch, it looks like. And then this is a close-up of Marilyn's, and you can see the blood that's on the watch. And then mm-hmm. here's his ring, a man's ring, it says. And then this is a stained T-shirt. I'm not sure who that belongs to. I think it was Sam's. Maybe his. A T-shirt fragment. But that could that does, that could also mean he, he held her or touched her. There were You'll- hairs found on the mattress. Mm-hmm. Those are pretty long hairs, aren't they? Mm-hmm. And then there were stains on his trousers. Mm-hmm. Um, another stain. So he definitely had some blood on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I'm like you. I don't know if that means he did it. And, and I've got a picture of that, but that's what her head looked like. Mm. Um, they have a picture. And, and some think that this was a, the weapon, but I don't, actually. What is that? It's fireplace tongs. That's a weapon that caused all that. Are those heavy? I don't have tongs. I mean, I'm back not in the sure day, if they're heavy or not, because that's a lot of damage. And so it looked like they had two separate beds. You know how they did back then? They did. Look at all that blood. I mean, that's incredible on her side. Isn't that interesting? Though, look at that, because it looks like under her body, mm-hmm. like it was just you drew a yeah it looks pencil like, around it looks her, like body. her body. Mm-hmm. So does that mean maybe? She was sitting up in the blood underneath? Because how would it get underneath? Well, I think with a mattress, it's going to absorb the blood and spread. This was her house. That's true. So again, it's been torn down. Mm -hmm. This is the back step area that goes down to the lake where they found some of the items, including the green bag. Oh. And then this is inside the house where it's ransacked, but it looked too orderly to be ransacked. To me. Well, if you're in a hurry. Yeah. I mean. But this is her head. So you can see 
she was beaten with mm-hmm. something that made an oblong mark it looks like and i could see how maybe the tongs would have been it because of the shape of some of the wounds that's not her actual head is it no it's just a reconstruction oh. of what the it looks damage real. was it does, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's Look pretty at the bruising brutal. and everything, and it even so the real. bruising around her eyes. Um, like she was struck in the top of her head, and you can see like right between her um, eyes, yep. a little above. It's like it almost like you know, like cracked a knife her, was taken or yeah, cracked her her, her skull, skull open. open. Yeah, I don't and see how Tom would do that, but I don't know how heavy. The, the, yeah, I don't. I don't know. So she, it was a very. Uh, mm-hmm. violent and brutal uh, killing. Now, Dr. Shepard said that they, uh, the night before they'd entertain neighbors in their home, and while watching the movie Strange Holiday, Shepard fell asleep on the day bed in the living room. Marilyn later walked the neighbors out and went to bed. In the early morning hours, Dr. Se- Shepard said he had heard Marilyn screaming his name. He jolted up and ran upstairs and saw a figure in white bending over his wife's body. He was then hit and knocked out. He came to and saw Marilyn on the bed covered in blood. He checked her for a pulse and didn't find one. He then heard noise downstairs and saw a figure run out of the back of the house and toward the lake, which I showed you that picture. You know, I mean, it's like the lake is right there. Like, literally, you walk down the steps, and I bet the water even laps up close to those steps at mm-hmm. times like where you wouldn't even be able to walk across there. Did you say you saw him? He was wearing white? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. he said it was a white-looking figure. Mm-hmm. Um, so he saw the figure run out toward the lake. He chased the man, and then he struggled with him until he was knocked out again. He woke up a second time lying on the beach with his legs in the water, which would not be hard to do no. looking at this Look how picture. how close it is, yeah. And uh, he returned to the home, and he checked on Chip to make sure he was okay, and then he called the mayor. Now, remember that he's a doctor, because he described the intruder as a white biped form. What does that mean? I was like, what the heck is a biped? It's an animal that walks on two legs. In other words, a term that a doctor might use. Oh. But that was weird to the police. They're like, why, why wouldn't you just say a, a, a Caucasian male? Like, why would well, you say he, a biped? He, because maybe his h- h- hunching over? Well, you, because that's a... Well, we're... A lot of people that are scientific, scientific believe we're animals. Right. You know, so biped would probably work for a doctor. Yeah, because that that type... If, if your description's right, it's someone hunched over. No, it isn't necessarily. It's, it's, it's someone that walks on two legs. That's all a biped is. Oh. But he was bending over his wife's body. But the biped thing, cops are kind of like, why are you using all these fancy words? Well, doctor. You know, like that to them was weird. So uh-huh. all that to say, they immediately went on him. Now, that's very common with romantic Partners, right? If you're married or dating, they'll immediately look at the husband. So that struck the the cops as weird that he would use that type of term. So they start looking at him. Um, The bedroom was covered with blood splatter and drops of blood were found on the floors throughout the house. Dr. Shepard's wristwatch, keychain, and key and fraternity ring were missing and later found in a canvas bag and some shrubbery behind the house. So see the shrubbery that's right here? 
So the bag was found in that vicinity. But and, it, her watch was in there also. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. And then also his medical bag had been turned over and two of his athletic trophies were smashed. Oh. That's weird to me. But I don't know if her watch was on her because it obviously had blood on it. So I don't know. Like, you know, a lot of ladies even today will wear their watches all the time, even in bed. So I don't know if she had it on her. I wouldn't um, think back then they did, though. Do you? I have no idea. Knows? Let's see. I'm not seeing a watch on that no. arm and we can't see the other arm. So I don't know. Um, there's a little chip mm-hmm. right there. And there's her watch on her left arm. And so if we go back to That's her, that's left, her left arm. arm. Yeah, no I don't watch. I don't see yeah, a watch. I, I wouldn't my mom always took hers. Everyone I know took them off the older. So no telling. Right. Um maybe it was laying on the bedside mm-hmm. table mm-hmm. and he just grabbed it. I'm not sure. Uh now the family dog did not bark. I was gonna say I wonder if it's someone they knew. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Uh, and then, um, you know, Shepard was found shirtless. He has no idea where his shirt went. He doesn't know. His pants were wet, and then he had a blood stain on the knee. The son, Sam Reese Chip Shepard, was found um, sound asleep during the entire incident, so he didn't hear a word, which caused even more suspicion with the police. But I'm not bothered by no. that at all. Kids can sleep really, really heavy. Yeah. I remember vacuuming when Kent was asleep. Yeah. You know, so that doesn't bother me. Um, and not only that, but like if you go back to the Bundy case, remember he bludgeoned all of those mm-hmm. women and no one. Nobody heard. They heard a few little odd noises, but they didn't think what was actually going mm-hmm. on was happening. No. Okay, so his family, Dr. Shepard's family arrived and they whisked Chip away. And they took Dr. Shepard to the Bayview Hospital. That's where his you know, family practiced. He was treated for shock and neck injuries that were the result of his struggle with the intruder. These were legitimate injuries. So, so they're mm-hmm. documented that would have been very hard to mm-hmm. do on his own. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like, you know, McDonald were a perfect... You know, mm, knife right. in the area where he knew it wouldn't hurt him. These are injuries like a concussion and different things that he could not have done. But, uh, and they also sedated him. But the cops were really frustrated because they took their man, main suspect away immediately. So you can see what's happening. Right. First of all, a wife is killed. The dog doesn't bark. The kid stays asleep. The husband's shirt's missing. And then he's whisked away before they can even question him. Now they're like, okay, something's going on. Um, You know, he must have done it is where they (laughs) jump to. Now, I've got a picture here of, I thought, of him in like a neck brace because he had like a neck injury and a head injury. Uh, Which was legitimate. Yeah. So here's his... He had to be in one of those brace things, neck brace things for a while um, because of the injuries. So, yes, he had a definite. uh, And then this is one of the cops, you know, looking around for things uh, at the crime scene. This is also part of their property. Um, So anyway, I mean, he he was hurt, but I think the cops probably dismissed it because his family's the one that got him to the hospital and treated him. That's a pretty recent picture, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't long after but he was... you notice nothing on... No uh, marks on his knuckles, his mm-hmm. hands. 
No. No, he doesn't have any <laughs> other injuries except for the neck brace. I think this more like a jump to conclusion kind of case. Okay. Like our last one. I think the investigation was bungled from the start, like uh-huh. you were saying. No crime occurred in Bay Village at all. The most criminal activity you had were traffic tickets. Police officers, relatives, the press, and neighbors were all over the house, contaminating the crime scene as usual. Again. By the time the coroner arrived, the coroner, Samuel Gerber, and we want to keep him in mind, was a longtime Cleveland uh, coroner described as a diminutive little arrogant man who took pride in collecting enemies. Oh, one of those. Yes, yes. And yet he still worked. Yes. It also appears that his hostility toward the Shepherd family as a whole and their clinic was well known. Wonder why? I don't I couldn't find out. Because of the wealth or the I don't know. I couldn't find out why he had a problem with them. But as a doctor he might have had to deal with the coroner before. Maybe. And he rubbed him the wrong way. Could be. I mean, a lot of doctors, you know, like if you look at the top professions of psychopaths, surgeons are right at the very top. They are. And uh, so it's rumored, and again, this is rumored, they told an intern that he was going to get them someday. So I couldn't find a source um, as to why exactly, but I did find one website that maybe... Gave a little bit of context for his hostility. But again, our listeners, if they know, just yeah, respond. Let us know. Right. Yeah, I'd love that. So the family of Dr. <clears throat> Shepard owned a large osteopathic hospital in the village. His father and brothers operated it with Sam Shepard, of course, also on the staff. It was to the Shepard's family hospital that Dr. Sam was taken by his family immediately after the murder of his wife was reported. The reason given for hospitalizing him was that an intruder, a bushy-haired man, as Dr. Sam described him, had injured his neck in the struggle the doctor reported had taken place in the house. Thus, the Shepherd family surrounded Dr. Sam. The investigating authorities were blocked off. The mayor of Bay Village was J. Spencer Houck, who owned a local <clears throat> butcher shop and was a close friend of Dr. Sam. They visited back and forth, went on vacations together, owned a boat together, Mayor Houck rejected the advice of Coroner Sam Gerber and the Cleveland Homicide Detective Squad that Dr. Sam should be arrested. Dr. Sam was fenced in by his family, friends, and the public authorities in Bay Village. The protective wall had been put up quickly, and it was almost impossible to penetrate it, and then only at the will of those who controlled the encirclement and on their terms. You know, some cases, I think that's excellent. Mm-hmm. But on some, when you know... You know, like the, uh, what was the guy's name committed suicide we were talking about this morning? Killed uh, Israel Abby. Keys. Oh, uh-uh. uh, Brian Laundrie. Brian Laundrie. Because mm-hmm. I feel they protected him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And know a lot. And, you know, those are the ones you're like, you wish they weren't protected. Like, Yeah, it's frustrating. It because is. When you people know. People want answers. It's like, did mm-hmm. you love this girl or was that all a lie? Right. If you loved her like you said you did, you would want to know, right, what but, was happening. Yeah. But on the Shepherd case... I like that he was protected. Well, maybe. I do think it definitely... I don't agree entirely with the perspective of this person, but I do agree that that may be part of what caused the animosity. Right. And Because uh, they were wealthy. Right. Jealousy. Yeah. yeah, Jealousy can be a big deal, too. Yeah. And plus, like, when you have powerful families like that Mm -hmm. in a town, a lot of times people look at them with suspicion and hostility, even if they've never met them. Kennedys. 
Yeah. Well, they deserved it. Well, they did. (laughs) Okay. So Dr. Gerber determined that Marilyn died from 35 blows to the head. Holy cow. From an unidentified weapon, which is important to remember. But yet. Unidentified. He has no wounds on his hands at Uh all. Which he may not if you're hitting someone. Something. Well, I don't know. I mean, she's, I don't know. She scratched him. I don't know anything. Yeah. But um, she was also four months pregnant. Mm-hmm. Which family annihilators might kill when the wife's pregnant. We we found that out. She fought her killer. Two of her teeth were missing. Some say they were knocked out, but more than likely, she bit her killer so hard that her teeth were ripped out. And we'll mm. get into why they think that. And again, there were signs of rape, but I'm not sure if there was actual rape. Uh. Uh, you know, with her clothing being partially removed, or were there physical signs of rape? But thus far, I see nothing that would match him. Mm-mm. The no. rape. I'm suspicious. Yes. But uh, yeah, I don't either. <clears throat> um, so for Dr. Gerber, he decided the crime scene was faked to conceal a domestic homicide. He and he's al- a coroner. Uh huh. Uh huh. He also assumed the blood trail leading from their murder room was Marilyn's blood dripping from the killer's weapon. So keep that in mind. Dr. Gerber and the police let Dr. Shepard know from the start that they knew he killed his wife. On top of that, the media was in a frenzy. No such things had happened in Bay Village, and there was one paper in particular that seemed to have it out for Dr. Shepard as well, the Cleveland Press. So again, we have the press messing with the case. And um, the editor, Louis Seltzer, was a major player in Ohio politics and teamed up with Gerber to get Shepard. So wow. now I'm wondering if there were some political things going on with the Shepherd family and some of these people. And the coroner was no what was her, heard to say he'll get him sooner or later. Yeah, that was rumor. Mm-hmm. But now on July 21st, 1954, the newspaper ran a front page editorial entitled "Do It Now, Doctor Goober" that called for a public inquest. Hours later, Doctor Gerber announced he would hold the inquest the next day. Other er- editorials included Why Isn't Sam Shepard in Jail and another Quit Stalling and Bring Him In that uh, ended with Shepard arrested. Mm. There were other stories ran that were inflammatory with no supporting facts and later disproved, like saying he had a mistress and illegitimate child in New York. The inquest did not go well for Dr. Shepard. Dr. Gerber held it in a high school museum, which... I'm not sure if I have a picture of the inquest, but I do have a video. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Well, that looks like what he was just sitting at. Yeah, I'm not sure. Table. The reason I'm not sure is because at the inquest, he was wearing sunglasses and a neck collar. So he took the stand wearing sunglasses. Oh. And I'm trying to figure out why would your lawyer let you wear sunglasses, right? Wow, yeah. Okay, so what I need to do is open up a link to um, a video that I want to play, and I want you to pay attention to like some of the uh, body language, which is very interesting to me in this video. Results of the police investigation into Shepard's past, including a number of allegations of adultery. 
for attorney Ethley Bailey. Years later would end up arguing Shepard's case before the U.S. Supreme Court. The doctor's legal plight began with the suggestion of infidelity. Sam was a fellow with a golden spoon. He was a good-looking young man. He was athletic. He was the police surgeon around town. He had access to a number of young women and took advantage of that. Two weeks after the murder, a front-page editorial in the Cleveland Press demanded a public coroner's inquest. Gerber, an elected official, responded to the editorial by taking it upon himself to try Shepard in the public eye. That very evening, he convened an inquest in the local high school gym and invited in the media and a gallery of jeering spectators. Gerber subpoenaed Shepard and his entire family. He ordered Shepard's attorney, William Corrigan, to sit in the audience away from his client. Gerber alone would act as judge and jury. Over the course of the next three evenings, the coroner groaned his witnesses about Shepard's character and his relationship with his wife. He took over six hours to question Shepard about a rumored affair with a former lab technician at the hospital named Susan Hayes. Shepard denied it. He said he loved his wife and stuck to his story of the bushy-haired assailant. When Shepard's lawyer stood up, to protest the heckling from the audience, Gerber kicked him out of the hearing. Well, he was trying to get something entered into the record, and uh, Dr. Gerber wasn't going to do it. And uh, all of a sudden, Gerber said, get him out of here, and they just carted him right out of the... Out of the... Okay. You know, that just so poisons the jury pool. But did you notice that um, Dr. Shepard is sitting there right. wearing sunglasses. Right. Okay, people need to understand, when you wear sunglasses, it's like a mask. If people cannot see your eyes, they don't trust you. So he should have taken his sunglasses on. I don't know. Someone had to have told him, don't you think? His lawyer well, obviously or... obviously not. No, I mean to put them on. I don't know why you would wear them. Because it... I don't know. So that's the worst thing you can do. If you're trying to explain to people that you're innocent, you don't cover your eyes or your face. Maybe his injuries? I don't there think had to so. be a reason. Mm -mm, because if you look at the other pictures of him and his neck brace, he doesn't have any injuries. Mm. So it's a weird deal. Mm. And uh, so anyway, it didn't go well. And uh, he was basically right. brought to trial. Now, his demeanor was also shocking. He was clinical and unemotional. He denied being unfaithful to his wife until they brought up Susan Hayes, right? Mm -hmm. That an attractive lab tech that admitted to a lengthy three-year affair with Dr. Shepard. So for the police, this was a motive, and they ran with it. But did you also notice that he was the police surgeon? Right. So Shepard worked that. with the police, yeah. right? So obviously there was something there where he wasn't well liked and it could be because he was clinical unemotional and possibly arrogant which, which some doctors me. are like that yeah and then uh dr gerber well any some people are like that mm -hmm. yeah you know there's just not a set right way to show emotion everyone's different right doesn't mean they're a killer um i had let's see another picture so this lady is the one he had the affair with. Mm-hmm. Okay.
Dr. Gerber delivered his verdict at the inquest as death by homicide by her husband. Wow. Which you can't do that, right? Like well, you he can't did. just say <laughs> death by homicide by her husband. Like he has a right to a trial. Even if you can't do that, just putting it out there will yeah. poison a person's mind. Oh, it so, absolutely did. Yeah. So he was arrested, which I showed you, you know, his mm-hmm. arrest record, mm-hmm. right? And she testified, by the way, Susan Hayes. But yeah, he was arrested. And um, did her testimony help him? I, no, I, she just they asked her about the affair, affair. and she admitted it. OK, so the trial was a circus. 1954, he was arrested in August 2nd. A long table in front of the bar was set up three feet from the jurors for the press. Wow. Three or four rows of benches were assigned to the press. All New York news media, Chicago media, press syndicates had representatives, including a star reporter named Dorothy Killigan. Or Hang Kil- on a second. Killigan. Gillen. What? How's that go? Kil- Kilgallen? Yeah, uh, Kilgallen. If you look at his eyes, though, he squints. Mm-hmm. Not saying that has anything to do with the sunglasses. Maybe he has like, a sensitivity maybe, to light. Because he's squinting and it's light in there. So I don't want to just say suspicious because he had sunglasses on. I wasn't we don't saying know. he was suspicious because no, he I had mean, sunglasses. Anybody. But yeah, yes, people yeah. will naturally people think were, you're shady if you were. have your shades mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Did you get that? I was trying right. to ignore it. Well, that's good. That's good. Yep. Shady with your shade. Right. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, now. That was good. This Dorothy reporter, though, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. It was to this reporter that the judge over the trial, Judge Blythin, let her know that he was guilty as hell. Wow. So she later testified before the Supreme Court on the circus that the trial was and the judge's bias, who's now dead. Dr. Shepard testified on his own behalf, with, which was disastrous. He was, quote, arrogant and detached. Did his family hire a lawyer or did he have a public defender? I, well, he had Effie Bailey and he had Corrigan. No, that was later, I believe, yeah, wasn't Corrigan. it? Yeah, He was a good lawyer. So I'm, I'm Bailey pretty sure was, they, but I thought... Corrigan was a good lawyer. Oh, okay. And I'm pretty sure they all hired him. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but so he came across as a mediocre doctor and a philandering husband with a sense of entitlement. Under cross-examination, he said, I don't know, 156 times. Wow. Uh, And then here's some of what he said. This is a quote. I think that she cried or screamed my name once or twice, during which time I ran upstairs thinking she might have had a reaction similar to convulsions that she had in the early days of her pregnancy. I charged into our our room and saw a form with a light garment, I believe, at that time grappling with something or someone. During this short period, I could hear moans or groaning sounds and noises. I was struck down. It seemed like I was hit from behind somehow, but had grappled this individual from in front or generally in front of me. I was apparently knocked out. The next thing I knew, I was gathering my senses while coming to a seating, sitting position next to the bed, my feet toward the hallway. I looked at my wife. I believe I took her pe- pulse and felt she was gone. I believe that I thereafter instinctively or subconsciously ran into my youngster's room next door and somehow determined that he was all right. I'm not sure how I determined this. After that, I thought I heard a noise downstairs, seemingly in the east portion of the house. Shepard ran back downstairs, chased what he described as a bushy-haired intruder or form down to the Lake Erie 
beach below his home before being knocked out again. The defense called 18 character witnesses for Shepard, and two witnesses said that they had seen a bushy-haired man near the Shepard home on the day of the crime. Mm. Now, his defense attorney, uh, William Corrigan, argued that Dr. Shepard had severe injuries that could only be inflicted by the killer. A neurosurgeon, Dr. Charles Elkins, M.D., examined Dr. Shepard and found that he had suffered a cervical concussion, nerve injury, had many absent or weak reflexes, most notably on the left side, and an injury in the region of the second cervical vertebrae in the back of the neck. He said that it was impossible to fake or simulate the missing Mm -hmm. reflex Mm -hmm. responses. So it's about right here. You know, so where your cervical spine is right underneath the back of your head right. is where the injuries were. They also argued that the crime scene was extremely bloody, but the only blood on Dr. Shepard was that little tiny blood sp- uh, stain that I showed you that picture. Uh-huh. The defense also said that the missing teeth were from a bite not being hit or pieces of teeth that would have been in her mouth. Oh. So you can imagine if you get right. hit in the mouth, your teeth are going to break off in there. Yes. And you might even swallow them. Right. Well, hers were actually um, pulled. pulled out. So she must have bent, bit her assailant. Mm-hmm. And he has no wounds. Yeah. Yeah. So the, delib- the jury deliberated for four days. They found him guilty of second degree murder on December 21st. How's that possible? First. Good grief. Seriously. And then on January 7th, 1955, his mother, Ethel Shepard, shot herself and died. Eleven days later, his father died from a bleeding gastric ulcer and stomach cancer. Dr. Shepard was allowed to attend both funerals but had to wear uh, handcuffs. And then on February 13th, 1963, Marilyn's father committed suicide in an East Cleveland hotel. Wow. Is that not stunning? So his wife is murdered. He is arrested because he's arrogant and detached. Which evidence showed that he couldn't do the wounds to his cell. He has legitimate wounding. No blood. And then he's convicted. Both his parents die within two weeks. His And then his father-in-law. Wow. That's okay. a lot. It is. So what do you think so far? Do you think he's innocent? Yeah. I think he's totally innocent. And plus, they showed pictures of him after he just got interviewed. Nothing on his hand. There'd be something. If, if Even with she a tool was bitten and, yeah, and or fighting. had bit and her teeth were pulled out. Because mm-hmm. obviously, if she bites down, the killer's instinct is going to be, be to pull. pull. Right. And she was biting so hard, I could see it pulling teeth yeah. out. And they said she fought for her life, so there'd be a scratch, something on him. Mm-hmm. Not enough blood. Oh, mm-hmm. not guilty at all. Yeah, I don't I think I never he... thought. I read the book. I never thought he... He did it? Mm-mm. Okay, so his attorney, Mr. Corrigan, <clears throat> spent six years appealing the verdict without success. On July 30th, 1961, Corrigan died, and F. Lee Bailey, Bailey a young yeah. attorney, took over as Dr. Shepard's chief counsel. And that's the... F.E.F. Lee Bailey. He immediately petitioned for a writ of habeas corpus, which was granted July 15th, 1964. The U.S. District Court, who granted it, stated that the 1954 trial was a mockery of justice, 
that shredded Shepard's 14th Amendment right to due process. Mm -hmm. They found that the judge was biased, the jury was not sequestered, and should have been, especially since they had read the newspaper articles on Shepard. And remember, they were lies. Right, they were lies, yep. And they never ordered the jury to ignore or disregard the media reports. Ohio was ordered to release him on bond and gave the prosecutor 60 days to bring charges against him or the case would be dismissed permanently. I wonder why they didn't do a habeas corpus for um, Hirons. I don't know. Because it was a media circus. I mean, it could have been the lawyers, too, mm-hmm. that he had, you know. Now, Ohio, of course, appealed the ruling. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. Court of Appeals Court for the Sixth Circuit reversed the judge's ruling. Bailey appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, and they voted 8-1 to one on June 6, 1966, to strike down the murder conviction. They noted the, quote, carnival atmosphere that permeated the trial, and it was impossible for him to have a fair trial. Right. So after serving 10 years, Shepard was released and three days later married a lady named Arian Teben Jahans, a German divorcee who had corresponded with him in prison. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Well. Sort of a bad. It was then confirmed that her half-sister was Magda Rischel, the wife of the Nazi propaganda chief, Joseph Goebbels. Oh, boy. Oops. Uh-oh. So they divorced in 69. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> so, and I think I have a picture of her, actually. Um, yeah. 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 She's attractive, but... Uh, yeah. Well, if you think that she was ran through mud, look at her. She's so dark. It looks right, like she's ran through mud. Right. Those hands, man, they're scary. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Right. Now, Ohio retried him. <clears throat> Jury selection began October 24th, 1966. Media interest was high, but the jury was sequestered. The same case was presented by the prosecutor, who had no physical evidence right. at all. Bailey aggressively sought to discredit every single prosecution witness and did not put Dr. Shepard on the stand. Oh, and then when Dr. Gerber tried to say that the murder weapon was a surgical weapon, right? Bailey forced him to admit that he had never found the murder weapon or even a weapon like it. He said that the prosecution's case was 10 pounds of hogwash in a five-pound bag. Right. Bailey also presented blood evidence that we're going to get into. It's very interesting. The jury deliberated, deliberated for 12 hours and returned a not guilty verdict. So now he's free. Yeah, because you can't retry him him at all. Yeah. Yeah. But it ruined his life. I mean, really. I mean, it did. And did you know he appeared on December 7th uh, on the Johnny Carson show? Johnny Carson show, yeah. He did. So I had no idea. It did ruin his life. He became an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I believe he remarried and maybe divorced. I wonder what happened to. Nazi lady. He didn't remarry after. I wonder what happened to. to the coroner. That'd be interesting. Okay. Um, he also worked with a ghostwriter, Bill Levy, to write the book Endure and Conquer, mm-hmm. which presented his side of the case. Did you ever read that? I don't know. I read a book, but I don't know who it was by. Now, interestingly, Levy struggled with the book because he felt he did it. Really? Mm-hmm. Wonder why. I don't I mean, know. The evidence pointed he didn't. Well, there's some evidence that pointed that he did. You know, so, I mean, it could go either way. That's why I can't be 100% sure. 
but well there was no bite it could be yeah but it could be his arrogance it could be you, you can know. be convicted on arrogance. Mm-hmm. I've met arrogant people, and immediately I have to really be careful. I'm like, you're such a jerk. Right. So, right. yeah, I could see that. But you can't convict someone on just because of their arrogance. Mm-mm. Or you shouldn't. He opened up a medical office in Gahana, Ohio, which was a suburb of mm-hmm. uh, Columbus. And he was granted surgical privileges at the Youngstown Osteopathy Hospital, but his skills had deteriorated. Oh. He was also an alcoholic. Right. Five days after being granted privileges, he accidentally cut an artery during a disectomy, and she died. He also nicked an artery in another patient who bled to death internally, so he resigned a few months later. Wow. He took up wrestling. Yeah, I knew that. At the age of 45, in August of 69, he debuted as the, quote, killer Sam Shepard. Okay, seriously? But I think his promoter or agent suggested that because it would bring more people in i don't think i just think he agreed to it because by then if i remember correctly he was finished in most everything dumb yeah it was a dumb move but he had to make a living whatever his agent said it was dumb dumb. i mean yeah you're acquitted you don't want attention to yourself but you're called the killer i literally have wow in my notes Because right. I was like, wow. <laughs> it's just, it's just but keep wow. in mind, he'd been in prison. He yeah, lost whatever. his medical license. He was it's an so alcoholic. Stupid. But choosing as a wrestler, was he a wrestler in high school? I don't know. Or college? Because it said he was an athlete. Mm-hmm. He was an athlete, but he won over 40 matches. He was yeah, really but, good. Yeah. And he seemed so good. Like He created a new submission hold called the Mandible Claw. And he was able to do it because of his anatomical knowledge. They use that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was from Dr. Shepard. Only because my husband used to watch wrestling. Yeah, uh, poor thing. I know. And then he did remarry again mm-hmm. to a lady named Colleen Strickland, mm-hmm. who was his wrestling coach's daughter. Wow. Another wow. Yeah. He was drinking as much as two-fifths of liquor a day. He was found dead on April 6, 1970 in his home. At first, they thought uh, liver failure, but it was actually encephalopathy, which is brain damage associated with advanced alcoholism. Mm. If I remember correctly, his son fought to get his name cleared Mm -hmm. for years. We're going to get into that. Okay. Mm -hmm. And whether he succeeded, I don't remember, but I don't believe he did. Nope. But, yeah. Yeah, he wanted his name cleared. Because, you know, I mean... The Shepherd case is still known to this day. Oh, yeah. Podcast about it. It's sad, though. Anything that you're convicted of, or someone could say you're a child molester, it'll ruin your life forever, whether yeah. it's guilty or not. Yeah, because no you're matter under what. any suspicion, yeah, no matter you're the what. one. So unless they have DNA, right. you're pretty much stuck. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's the evidence against. Okay, let's break it down. Okay. The affair. Right. We've seen it over and over. Husband has Which, an affair. Kills his wife. But it doesn't make you a killer. The only thing I couldn't find was anything that said Dr. Shepard told Miss Hayes he was going to leave Mm -hmm. leave his wife for her. And I also couldn't find anything that said she wanted him to leave his wife. Well, keep in mind, too, they had an affair for three years. Mm -hmm. I mean, he would have left probably before then. Mm -hmm. As being an arrogant, cold kind of person, you know, his demeanor and how he was inside... Doesn't make him a killer. 
Right. And he would have probably continued the fair for many years. Probably. The second piece of uh, evidence is the ransacking seemed stage. Right. So remember where I showed you the drawers? It was like they were pulled out too neatly and were literally set on the floor. That could have been to be quiet. I guess. I mean, that. I mean that is a good suggestion. I mean, it could. Um, so... That was kind of interesting. And then why was his medical bag dumped out and his trophies crushed? See, that's pretty personal. Yes, that's what I thought. That's why I wonder if it's someone he knew Mm -hmm. or knew of them or... But see, I can name... I could name a lot of things to dispute that. No wounds. She put up a fight. Oh, no, no, we're going to do that. Yeah. I'm just saying the evidence against. Right. The stolen items that were thrown in the shrubbery uh-huh. outside the back door, there was no sand in Dr. Shepard's hair. You think there would be if he struggled on the beach and woke up on the beach. That could be, though. He was close to the steps. There could have been grass there. But we don't know that. We no, don't there's know no that. grass. We see the picture. There was no grass. Or a patch of grass no. in the shrubbery. Shrub- but he wasn't in the shrubbery. He didn't say that he was in the shrubbery. No, I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Because so, the, that the beach is really close to those steps. Mm-hmm. So that's why There's I no said, grass. Oh, it's all sand. It's huh? literally sand. Well, what's this right here? That looks like grass. No, that's the beach. Oh, that's the beach out there, too. Yeah, there's no, well, there's no grass. Now, who said there, there was no sand in his hair? The coroner that we know... No, there was just no sand in his hair. So I don't know who said that. But And then where did his shirt go? Yeah, that's... Now, evidence um, for th- that he was innocent mm-hmm. is the dumping of his bag makes me wonder if someone was looking for drugs. Mm-hmm. Right. The crushing of his trophies made me wonder if it was personal. There was no blood on him except that tiny little speck on his pants. Mm-hmm. But that's still kind of weird, too, because you wondered if it could have been washed off in the lake. He but he fighting. did say he touched her to see if there was a pulse. He could have put his knee or got a spot I know, on but him. But then he has a life and death struggle on the beach, and you think it'd been washed off. Yeah. Because his trousers were soaked. He was drenched. They were soaked? Mm hmm. And then his injuries were impossible to inflict himself, mm-hmm. and then the blood evidence. So let's dig deeper into the blood, blood evidence because this makes me think. He was innocent for sure. And he had no no scratches, right. no bite mark. Okay. okay. Shepard's defense lawyers were denied access to the crime scene to do their own testing. Wow. It was only after the conviction they were able to examine the physical evidence. They engaged Dr. Paul Leland Kirk, a forensic scientist and an expert in the emerging field of blood spatter to analyze the murder scene. His conclusion was that the blood trail, which was assumed to be Marilyn's drug dripping from the weapon, was actually the killer's oxygenated blood oozing from an open wound. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. So the bite, right? Right. So Dr. Shepard did not have any wounds. The spots were Marilyn's blood type, but Kirk had a new protocol for grouping that indicated it was not her blood. It wasn't Dr. Shepard's type either. It was a third person that bled the night of the murder. 
Wow. 30 years later, Dr. Shepard's son sued the state of Ohio for his father's wrongful imprisonment. Mm -hmm. The DNA evidence confirmed what Dr. Kirk said. There was a third person on the scene. So because they have DNA, Mm -hmm. I bet they can eventually uh, catch them. Oh, yeah. Wonder what they haven't yet. Well, there's probably a a lot of, I was going to say, backlog of case after case of a case. Then Dr. Kirk um, has a first principle of forensics that states every contact leaves a trace. The killer always leaves something at the scene and takes something from the scene with him. So scrutinizing the crime scene and the autopsy after Sam was convicted, Kirk pronounced some startling, startling conclusions. Okay. The killer's body intercepted flying blood and left an unstained outline on the closet door. Uh-huh. Meaning there would have to be blood all over him. Sam only had a small stain on his pants. So even if his shirt's missing, like he took it off because right. he had blood all over it, It'd be he would still on have it. some yeah. on his pants. Yeah. Then Mar- Marilyn's two broken teeth occurred when she bit the killer and he wrenched his hand away. Right. Sam had no bite marks on his hand. Mm-hmm. The blood trail from the bedroom was consistent with oxygenated blood dripping from the open wound. Sam had no open wounds. The presence of unidentified sperm in Maryland suggested she had been raped. Raped. Domestic homicides rarely involve sexual assault. Right. Yeah, I don't think he's guilty. I never did, though. So she was raped. Right. And... Because uh, I didn't know for sure, obviously, from my notes. So this, to me, is a predator. Which is interesting because the coroner that hated Sam Shepard. You like that pina colada? <laughs> uh, nothing was done to him. Why didn't he know that she was raped? Or did he know she was raped and hid it? Because they didn't keep evidence from the lawyers. And they didn't let the lawyers go to the scene or have some of the paperwork. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, I think it was definitely a hit job. You know, like they were after. Do you want this one too? All right. Okay, now let me give you two viable suspects because we're almost done with this episode. All right. Outside of like a random killer because it could have just been a random It could have. The first suspect was Donald Wedler who confessed... In July 1957 to killing Marilyn. But we know people confess to a lot of things that are not right. the killers. He told of a drug-fueled burglary that turned into murder. At the time of the murder, he was 23, a father, I mean, I'm sorry, a drifter and petty criminal who happened to be in downtown Cleveland July 3rd, 1954. He had been shooting heroin with other people like him, and he hitched a ride to the suburbs, and he was looking for a house to rob. He said that he entered a house on the lake that seemed to match the shepherd home. He also said that he passed a man sleeping on a couch and entered a bedroom where he discovered a woman sleeping. He Which said, only the killer would know. He said that he struck the woman several times with a nine-inch flanged pipe that he carried when she woke up. He said he knocked the man out uh, with the pipe and fled. He was also uh, bushy-haired and tall. Oh. He did not mention, though, pulling her pajamas down, raping her, stealing jewelry, smashing trophies, or the fight on the beach. He volunteered to take a polygraph, but Dr. Gerber felt he was lying and blocked it. Of he course he did. He also objected to Dr. Shepard taking a lie detector test. Wow. And he was kept in an office as a coroner. Mm-hmm. 
Nothing happened to him at all? Hmm. So the next person of interest was a house guest staying with the shepherds that night, which I had no idea. They had a house guest. Lester Hoverston. He was a longtime friend and colleague colleague of Dr. Shepard. He had arrived two days before and had stayed there the night before. He had come to Cleveland to get a job, but it hadn't gone well. He was depressed and described as, quote, an odd duck, and he didn't like Marilyn or women. Did you say he was there mm-hmm. that night? Yeah, and Marilyn didn't like him, and Hoverston didn't like her. He felt that he and Dr. Shepard should recapture their glory days, and that if Marilyn wasn't in the picture, they'd be able to. Well, so he wanted Dr. Shepard to divorce her and even testified falsely that Dr. Shepard was thinking about divorcing her. However, he had a good alibi. Friends placed him in Kent, Ohio that specific night, which was 50 miles away. So he wasn't, he wasn't there that night Mm-mm. asleep. Yeah, he okay, was a house I was guest say, been there the night before. Because, yeah, if he was in the house. I was going to say, where was he? Because right. I don't remember reading anything about anyone in the house but yeah. the two. And then there was even a rumor about the mayor. The mayor? Mm-hmm. And his wife. They, they thought that his wife killed Marilyn. Because they lived three doors down, there were rumors that he and Marilyn were having an affair because his car was often seen in the Shepherd driveway while Dr. Shepherd was at work. I don't think they were having mm-hmm. an affair, but yeah. I do think he liked her. And some suggested that his wife got jealous and killed Marilyn because none of the uh, injuries were enough to kill her. But they looked pretty brutal to me. It could have been a her a confidant, and, friend. And really, it wasn't the blows that killed her. She drowned on her own blood. That's what killed her. But she was raped. DNA, sooner or later. So, Richard Eberling is someone that I think might be the best suspect. And yeah, that's him. I'm thinking no about the friend. Well, yeah, he has an alibi. Yeah. So, and I don't think the mayor's wife did either. No, I don't either. Richard Eberling. And again, he could, Richard could also be someone that didn't have anything to do with it because it could have been a stranger on stranger. You know, he sort of looks like Shepard. He doesn't have the bushy hair. But the hair. hair. I know. I'm just saying he looks sort of like Shepard. But there's an an answer to the fact that he doesn't have bushy hair. Okay. So, Eberling was a thorny, dysfunctional creature skulking under the radar. He was tall, known to wear bushy wigs, oh. and a thief. He was never interviewed by police. <clears throat> His connection to the murder did not surface until 1959 when he was arrested from stealing his climate, client, from his clients. A search of his house turned up a stash of stolen items, stealing including what? from stealing from his clients. Oh, okay. Uh, so they did a search, and they found two rings that went missing from Dr. Shepard's brother's house oh. after the murder where Eberling worked. Mm. And her rings were kept in a separate special box. Really? Mm-hmm. What about a bite mark? I don't know. He admitted to bleeding in the Shepherd home two days before the murder. Uh-huh. Why? Was he there then? Right. Well, he did repairs. The, but yeah. what's interesting is, Criminals will often do that. They will tell you they were in the vicinity mm-hmm. just to have a reason for to why their blood and, would be yeah. there, why they're, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so he said that he cut his hand. Wow. And the blood dripped when the cops turned up the heat. He took a polygraph and supposedly passed, but decades later, analysts felt it was at best inconclusive, at worst showed description. Uh, deception, but he had a trail of bodies all around him. 
1956, Barbara Ann Kinsel was killed in a one-car accident in which Eberling was the driver. He wasn't in- injured. She had been a nurse at Bayview Hospital oh. and was on duty when Dr. Shepard was brought in the morning of the murder. That's interesting. In 1962, Myrtle Irene Fay was beaten to death in her Cleveland apartment in a crime similar to Maryland's. Mm. Myrtle's sister, Ethel, was a wealthy widow who had employed Eberling as her caretaker. Oh, no. Myrtle was killed just days after she warned Ethel about Eberling stealing money from her. Mm. The crime is still unsolved. What, why would that be? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> and sort then, of obvious. In 1970, Sarah Bell Furrow, Ethel's older other sister, died at a fall in her home that was ruled an accident. Like Myrtle, Sarah was also concerned with Eberling and trying to get Ethel to fire him. That's a lot of bodies. Mm-hmm. And then finally, in November of 83, Ethel suffered a terrible fall in her home when Eberling was with her. Wow. She died six weeks later, and her death was also ruled accidental. But in 88, Eberling was charged with forgery and aggravated grand theft when it was discovered that he had forged Ethel's will, leaving her estate to him. Her body was exhumed, and her cause of death changed to suicide. Suicide? Oh, my gosh. These people. What are y'all doing over there in Ohio? Clearly, he killed that whole family, basically. The sisters. Well, you know, you have to have a trial, right? Right. But it's definitely suspicious that wherever this guy goes, people are dropping dead. And how can you not even see that? Seriously. But Eberling and his partner, who happened to be Obie Henderson, were convicted of Ethel's murder, which I thought it was a suicide. Anyway, he died in prison in 1998. Here's how one person summed up his involvement. They said Richard Eberling is the most probable killer of Marilyn Shepard. Eberling was a liar, a thief convicted of over 40 burglaries from his client. Uh, clients. Marilyn probably caught him red-handed when he was cleaning their windows two days before the murder. When she threatens to expose him, his motives rear its ugly head. Eberling is money-hungry and very protective of his business. He also harbors a sexual attraction for Marilyn. Killing her removes a threat and satisfies a lust. Eberling parks his car at the nearby Lakeside Park, a car similar to his blue station wagon that was seen there that night. And two witnesses driving on Lake Road saw a tall, bushy-haired man near the Shepherd house. Okay, okay. Here's the thing. It was a suicide, ruled a suicide. So how could he have been convicted of murder? I have no idea. I mean, this whole thing is crazy. I mean, seriously, the fact that it was ruled a suicide, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. But remember. Wow. But she ki- But he was convicted of murder. That's just in crazy. In the movie, The, the Fugitive, uh-huh. it was the repair guy or mm-hmm. the handyman. Mm-hmm. Now, he was their window washer, the shepherds. Right. And he was familiar with the unlocked house and grounds. The shepherd's dog recognized him and didn't bark. Entering through the side door, he didn't see Sam asleep on the couch, right? Marilyn fights back when he starts pulling her pajamas down. When she bites him, Everling explodes, batters her relentlessly, knocks uh, out a blurry Sam and drips blood throughout the house. Everling was a convicted murderer suspected in the death of four other women. Um, You don't think... My gosh. 
And then he also said that he had killed several of his partners in an insurance fraud scheme. So this, this, he's definitely interesting to me because he would know her. He would know what, how the house was. Again, Mm -hmm. the dog is important, right? You know, what's interesting too is this could have been prevented. I mean, he's murdered women before this. Oh, that was after Maryland. It was after Maryland? were after Maryland. Mm-hmm. But yet he wasn't convicted of any of them. Yeah, he was. Well, yeah, at the end, convicted of a suicide yeah. turned murder all of a sudden. It just my point is, to kill that many women, why at the first one it wasn't investigated properly? It could have saved the lives of other women. Well, right. but he wasn't convicted of all of them. He was only no, convicted of one, so we can't say that he did the others. I just think it's very well, suspicious that all these people are dropping like flies. Yeah. Uh, now, the only problem I have, though, mm. with Eberling being the killer, is the blood collected of the third person was type O, and mm. Eberling was type A. Oh. Yes, it was But o. could it be two people were there? No, I don't think so. No, Evan, I don't either. I just so threw that out. So the sample was blood taken from the closet door that didn't belong to Sam, and neither did the blood on the plant- pants belong to him or Marilyn. Oh. So the pants have the killer's blood on them. And Dr. Shepard never identified Eberling as a suspect. Because he knew him. Gerber surely didn't have anything to do with any of this evidence no or anything. So they still have DNA. They could test, hopefully, through DNA, like ancestral DNA, maybe. Right. Um, I mean, you would think that they would have done it by now. But I don't know if they ever will. If Ohio still believes Dr. Shepard is a killer. But he was proven not guilty. Yeah, but if they, that doesn't mean anything. If they think that was a technicality or whatever, they're not going to investigate the case anymore. To them, it's closed, regardless of whether they got a conviction or not. But if they look at the evidence. But they're not going to. That's what I'm saying. Like, once they get things in their head, they don't look at anything. But there could be one. I mean, you know, one detective, one doctor. That happens some. It they, does. They, they investigate on their own or look into things on their own. Mm-hmm. It only takes one mm-hmm. to send off some DNA somewhere. Wow. So in uh, as late as 2000, Chip sued Ohio, and the verdict was that Chip could not prove that Dr. Shepard had done it, and they threw out mm-hmm. his wrongful death uh, lawsuit. But let me play this um, for our listeners, and then we'll finish up with some closing Shepard spent the next 10 years in prison before his family hired a young lawyer who would go on to become one of the most famous criminal defense attorneys of the 20th century, F. Lee Bailey. Dr. Sam Shepard was a legendary international cause. It was also considered an impossible case. Bailey appealed Shepard's conviction to the U.S. Supreme Court won a landmark decision that the judge's failure to insulate the jury from sensational press coverage made the first trial constitutionally unfair, then won the 1966 retrial where Shepard was found not guilty. Did you intend to uh, yell not guilty quite that loud, Sam? I've yelled it ever since I was arrested. Despite the not guilty verdict, a shadow of doubt always hung over Sam Shepard, many people believing he killed Marilyn. The couple had one child, a son, Sam Reese, known as Chip, seen here with his dad and his second wife, Ariane. As a seven-year-old boy, Chip had been asleep down the hall the night his mother was beaten to death. 
My dad was innocent. There's been no doubt in my mind. And beyond his mother's brutal murder, Sam Reese said both he and the entire Shepherd family had been victimized as well. My grandmother committed suicide. My grandfather committed suicide. We've had three serious alcoholics and a drug addict in the family. This is the kind of thing these cases produce. By the late 1990s, Sam Reese Shepherd believed times had changed again, and he could shed new light to prove his father was innocent, that he was telling the truth when he said he fought with the bushy-haired man not too far down that beach. The man Sam Shepard always said murdered his wife. What had changed was a brand new way to investigate criminal cases using DNA technology. We are now finding out back then that, that people could be exonerated by DNA that were convicted by traditional evidence. Terry Gilbert represented the estate of Sam Shepard at a civil trial in the year 2000 that sought to have him declared innocent. Steve Dever represented the Cuyahoga County Prosecutor's Office in opposing him. This is the first time the two attorneys have been back in court to discuss that third Shepard trial in the 19 years since it took place. I thought that the evidence was overstated and that the science didn't stand up to what they were claiming it would show. Both Sam and Marilyn Shepard's bodies were exhumed for DNA testing, and then their DNA was compared to samples on evidence collected around the home, including in the murder room. Are you in the position that the DNA evidence does show a third person in that room? Now that was the breakthrough in the case. Gilbert says DNA showed the blood on a closet door was not Sam or Marilyn's. The blood on Sam's pants did not belong to Sam or Marilyn either. We could only try to exclude Sam as the contributor of various blood evidence. And we thought we were able to do that. But it became very technical and very scientific. The prosecution hammered home that DNA evidence may tell you who did or did not leave a blood stain, but it can't tell you when a stain was left. And prosecutors well, argued that the crime scene right. itself was not properly sealed, making it hard to pinpoint whether some stains came from the night of the murder or not. So basically, um, they were you know, like using... Okay, so the reason that we're... Let me get my microphone off here. The reason we're saying, oh, brother, is... What they're talking about is you have the closet doors with spatter. Right. Marilyn's not going to allow blood spatter to be on the garage no. or on the closet door. That's a dumb That's statement. That's idiotic. <sighs> that is a dumb statement. Mistakes of the coroner's office to show that we couldn't prove our case. Prosecutors offered a different theory on what the crime scene revealed. It was a gruesome murder that was staged to look like a sexual assault. And then the crime scene being the house was staged to look like a theft or a drug theft. Still, F. Lee Bailey says the fact... No, you can't stage a sexual assault. She mm -hmm. was raped. Mm -hmm. Unless that's a mistaken, uh, you know, account because, you know, you're going back decades and so maybe someone assumes she was. But, but they I had mean, that's what... What my research showed is she was raped. Yeah, because she had semen inside her. And they te they tested that. So why is he saying I don't a know. staged rape? Because he's dumb too. Right. Sam or Maryland's is significant. Standing at the site of the former Shepherd home, Bailey told us that was different than what prosecutors had argued in the first two Shepherd trials. I am now convinced that the blood in the Shepherd house which the state always said was his, was not by DNA testing, which could not have been done as to either trial, but was before the civil case. 
At the third trial, the civil case, the Shepard team argued that Richard Eberling, the Shepard's former window washer, who was later convicted of a different murder, was the likely killer. Eberling could not be identified as the source of the bloodstains in the house, but he couldn't be excluded either. Gilbert says a bloodstain from the porch was later, after the third trial, proved to be from Eberling by DNA testing. Shepard always said he had struggled with a bushy-haired man down on the beach, but former prosecutor Dever says there's a problem. Eberling testified in the second trial in a courtroom smaller than the room we're in here today. Came into that courtroom, Sam Shepard was sitting in the chair, had an opportunity to observe him. He walked right by him, and Sam Shepard didn't jump up and down and say, hey, that's the bushy-haired man, that's the guy who killed my wife. And Bailey testified at the third trial, saying he didn't think Eberling was the killer. Instead, his theory was that the wife of the town's mayor, Spencer Houck, caught her husband having an affair with Marilyn Shepard that night and killed her for it, and that Spencer Houck was the bushy-haired man Shepard wrestled with as he fled his home and later down on the beach. Bailey thinks a set of fireplace tongs was the murder weapon. None of the blows was fatal. She just bled out. None of them was struck with great force, which suggested a killer who was either a woman or a young boy. The question for the third jury was, was there enough evidence to declare Sam Shepard innocent? When they said no, do hereby find for the defendant the state of Ohio. Terry Gilbert's reaction said it all. I had invested emotionally in that case for almost 10 years at that point. All I did for years to the exclusion of my law practice. My father's life was destroyed by the state of Ohio. I will never forget that. I will never let you forget that. Even after he was found not guilty in 1966, Sam Shepard's life quickly declined. He would become a wrestler and would not live a long life. It was hard to figure out who Sam was at that point. His final tragic years when we conclude Sam Shepard. I don't think it was a wife or the mayor helped. I don't either. Because he knows who the mayor is. His wife, there was no, I mean, no. Yeah, I'm not sure it was him either. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me because we hear of cases, you know, that are crazier than that. But the picture of her head, that was some force there. Yeah, but are, is he saying that because it didn't crack the skull? Because if it didn't fracture the skull or crack the skull, then that had to be someone that either didn't hit her hard enough or they were a weaker, you know, yeah, either age or gender. So, yeah. Unless she's a strong woman, she probably would have fessed up. She would have... I mean, she'd have been hysterical. I, I don't buy that at mm -hmm. all. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. So, Eberling, you know, again, they're saying, well, they couldn't exclude him because of the DNA. But I've got, you know, research that says his blood type was not the same. Well, so, they just said, too, though, uh, blood uh, on the steps or the landing... Uh, did match him. Did match him. Mm -hmm. So, I, so I still think it's him. Was that when he cut his hand, though? Mm -hmm. He said he cut his hand when he was washing windows. So he said. Yeah, I'm not sure. But he has bodies all around him. So so he said, how could we even believe anything mm -hmm. he says? Well, I definitely think it had to be someone the dog knew. Mm -hmm. But even you would think if someone comes into the house in the middle of the night that the dog would bark regardless. Because I know ours would. Mine do. Yeah. Even if it's you, they bark. So it's kind of an interesting deal. Yeah. it's a, mm -hmm. I do not think Dr. Sham, Sam Shepard did it. I'm not sure Eberling did it either, but I'm pretty confident it wasn't him. I, I, I know. I, I agree. I don't think it was him mm -hmm. at we all. We should have been on the jury. Yeah. It would have been run better than 
than that circus. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? Ah!